Welcome to the Paranormal Factor Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Thanks for stopping by. This is the place to explore mysteries, investigate the otherworldly, and share stories of the inexplicable and the strange. You see, within the realm of our daily, ordinary lives, there is a paranormal factor always waiting to reveal itself. So let's begin exploring together the truly weird. Welcome, listeners, and thanks for joining us on the Paranormal Factor Podcast. In this episode, a special shortened edition of the show, we're going to introduce you to a very strange case involving the death of a man, a seemingly cursed man. In April 1991, a man was found dead in his Seattle apartment after a week of telling friends that something was trying to kill him. Did he literally scare himself to death? Or was his passing the result of a terrifying curse? A curse allegedly put on him by a witch? Well, we'll try and find out when we investigate the unusual death of Christopher Case. But before we dive into the story, here's a quick reminder to check out the Paranormal Factor Podcast Facebook page. Every day, Monday through Friday, there's new paranormal and supernatural material for you to explore. Fans of the show know it's the best place to find monsters, quizzes, film, TV, and book recommendations, and current paranormal news stories from around the world. And if you have the Alexa app, you can easily listen to our episodes by simply saying, Alexa, play the Paranormal Factor podcast. Now, on to our episode. On April the 11th, seven days before his death, Christopher had gone on a business trip to San Francisco, meeting with other executives within the music industry. At some point during his visit, he had been introduced to an older woman who shared his passion for music of the ancient world. They seemed to have a lot in common, and as their conversation continued, well, it became clear to Chris that this woman wanted to pursue a romantic relationship. She made no secret of her feelings and asked him to take her home several times. However, he wasn't interested in a romance, and politely declined her requests. She was an attractive woman, but her intensity had intimidated Chris. This, coupled with the fact that she was at least 20 years older, led Chris to suggest they call it a night and go their separate ways. But this seemed to anger her. She apparently felt extremely rejected. She then said something strange. She told Chris she was a witch and that she would put a curse on him and he'd be sorry. She then chillingly told him he would be dead within a week. Chris, who friends knew to be a rational individual, seemed to shrug it off. Friends said he didn't really believe in the paranormal or supernatural, and he wasn't religious either. So he simply disregarded her threats and traveled back to Seattle the next day. Upon his return, he would relate his tale to his friend Sammy Souter, who would also dismiss it with the same presumed rationality. And undoubtedly, at least for the first few days after his return home, he completely forgot about the entire incident. Forgot about it until strange occurrences began happening. His friends would hear all about them. They were baffled, just as the police would later be, and later stunned when a curse seemingly came to fruition. On the morning of April the 18th, 1991, 35-year-old Christopher Case was found dead in his Seattle apartment. 
No signs of a struggle or fight were found, and there was no forced entry. Doctors said he died of a heart attack, yet looking around his place, it didn't seem like a natural death. Everything pointed towards something strange, something possibly paranormal. Was it really a heart attack? Or had some supernatural power been involved that literally scared him to death? Christopher Case was an intelligent and experienced man who grew up in Richmond, Virginia, where he was a small-town radio DJ. And he was very passionate about his music. So much so, he decided to move to Seattle, Washington to start a new career as a music executive. He landed a job with Muzak Holdings, you know, the company producing the soft music heard in elevators and waiting rooms all over the world. Chris was a popular young man. He made good friends in his new role and still managed to keep in regular contact with his old friends back in Richmond. But despite his charisma, he was a bit of a loner and had remained single for many years. Not strange in itself, since his job required him to travel all over the United States. Chris's idea of a good time was sitting at home, listening to his favorite tracks, rather than going out to socialize all evening. He seemed to find more solace in the arrangements of notes and harmonies than in the company of others. Oh, and he was a fitness fanatic. He lived and ate healthy. He didn't have any serious health issues, and he exercised regularly. So in that tragic week in 1991, it was baffling for everybody who knew him how a young and healthy Christopher Case could be found dead in his own home. Well, it turns out on April the 11th, seven days before his death, Christopher had embarked on a business trip to San Francisco. He met there with other executives within the music industry. At some point during his visit, he had been introduced to that older, unnamed woman who shared his passion for music of the ancient world, particularly of Egypt and other Mediterranean civilizations. As we noted, they seemed to have a lot in common, and so the conversation progressed and you know the rest of the story that we told to you earlier. When Christopher arrived back the next day, he didn't hesitate in relating this strange event with the woman to his friends. He told a close friend, Sammy Soder, who also instantly dismissed the threat with the same rationality and confidence. She just presumed that it was an angry outburst by the woman. In fact, for the first few days after his return home, Chris completely forgot about the incident. However, on the morning of April 14th, Christopher called Sammy in a panic, saying he had been kept awake all night by the sound of whispering voices coming from somewhere inside his home. Though he admitted he couldn't find the source, he went on to say how he had seen shadows moving around his apartment, and even though he lived alone, he said he felt like he was being watched throughout the night. This conversation would be the first of three frantic phone calls Christopher would make to his friend Sammy over the next few days. On the 16th, he called to tell her something had attacked him during the night. He woke up to find himself paralyzed, being choked by invisible hands. The attack was particularly intense and violent. The force of it allegedly lifted him off his mattress before releasing him and throwing him back onto his bed. Afterwards, he noticed tiny cuts on the ends of each one of his fingers, and his bed sheets were now stained with his blood. This occurrence would prove to be too much, and on the morning after, he visited a religious bookstore called Evangel Incorporated. The store manager, Rodney Higuchi, described how Christopher had entered the store. Apparently, he walked over to one of the displays and picked up a handful of crucifixes. 
Higuchi asked him how he intended to use them, and Christopher told him he was being attacked by paranormal entities and he needed to defend himself. Rodney helped as best he could and recommended a number of books on the subject of fighting witchcraft. Between his visits to the bookstore and his calls to concerned friends, Christopher had begun a brave effort to fend off whatever mysterious forces had been tormenting him. By the afternoon of the 16th, he had placed several crucifixes around his home, interspersed with candles, and he had poured lines of salt along the extremities of each room, leaving small piles in each corner. He had also been taking many notes on methods of combating evil spirits. These notes would later be found by police scattered throughout his apartment. It had been less than a week since his meeting with the strange woman, but Christopher was a completely different man, barely recognizable compared to the person he had been only days before. Now he was obsessive, to the point of it being damaging to his health. He wasn't sleeping, and he hadn't shown up for work in two days. He called other friends besides Sammy, and they would later describe how they could hear in his voice how utterly afraid he was. Unfortunately for Chris, the evening of the 16th would be his most disturbing experience with the spirits. It's not exactly clear what happened during the course of the night, but something frightened him so badly he left his home during the early hours of the morning and stayed at a hotel. Because of this, Sammy couldn't get through to him the next morning. Her only option was to call a local police department and ask them to do a welfare check on Christopher's property. Police found the residence locked and were unable to gain access, so they reported it back to Sammy. Sammy lived in another part of the country, of course, and was feeling helpless as she couldn't reach him. That evening, she came home to find a message stored on her answering machine. Little did she know it at the time, but this would be the last time she ever heard from her friend Chris. To her surprise, there was an eerie calm to Chris's voice, almost as if he had resigned himself to his fate. In the message, he spoke about how they had almost got him the night before and that he believed this would be his last night on earth. Sammy wouldn't be the only person to hear from Chris that day, however. He also visited a Catholic priest in the afternoon and later on had returned to Evangel Incorporated. On this occasion, Rodney Higuchi described how Chris had looked exhausted but desperate and that he had asked for more advice on how to defend himself, which the store manager was happy to provide. On the morning of April 18, 1991, Christopher's body was discovered due to a wellness check requested by a friend. Christopher was found dead in his apartment with no sign of a struggle nor any forced entry. His body was discovered fully clothed on his knees inside of the bathtub in a kneeling position with his head resting against the wall. When police officers continued to search the residence, they found a puzzling scene. There was a multitude of crucifixes, books on the occult, and salt heavily poured at the entrance to his home and along every single skirting board inside his apartment. They also heard religious music playing quietly in a number of rooms within his home. The coroner determined Chris had died of heart failure. It sounds like a simple explanation, but remember, Christopher Case was just 35 years old and in excellent health. He was a young, fit, healthy man who lived a hygienic way of life, didn't drink alcohol or smoke, and had no family history of heart disease. There was also the circumstance of his body as he knelt in the bathtub and the fact that this, as well as the burnt candles around his body, 
tended to suggest he was involved in some sort of ritual right before he died. While the state of his body and apartment were strange, the story of his past five days were bizarre and chilling and added questions about the simplicity of a heart failure diagnosis. Shortly after his passing, friends began reporting that in the days leading up to his death, Christopher had frequently been calling in a panic, saying something was after him and that he feared for his life. He told friends he was certain he would be dead before the end of the week. What may have been thought to be a death by natural causes began to take on a much more sinister aspect. After weeks of looking into the event, investigators discovered a very chilling side to the case when those stories about a witch's curse came to light. The death of Christopher Case shocked the whole of Seattle. His friends still believed he died due to some supernatural forces which were disturbing him nonstop over the week. As we've already seen, he was a stable individual and not prone to believing stories regarding the paranormal. So why did he suddenly and curiously change? Is it really possible for someone to go from being a sane, rational person one day only to change to a desperate and obsessed wreck of a person the next? It really didn't make much sense. Finally, we're faced with the fact that Chris knew he was going to die, or at least believed it. He predicted it with alarming accuracy, saying to his friend Sammy on the 17th that he would not last the night. And he didn't. What are the chances of an otherwise fit, healthy, and mentally stable young man dying of natural causes after a week of saying to friends that he feared for his life? Whatever happened during that week in April of 1991, Chris truly believed he was being haunted and ultimately hunted by something absolutely sinister and horrific enough to literally scare him to death. After days of being tormented and tortured at the hands of who knows what, he finally succumbed to his fears and left behind a tantalizing mystery, which will probably never be solved. You may be wondering why the police never followed up on the identity of the woman who supposedly put this curse on him. But his death was never seen as suspicious, so it did not warrant that kind of investigation. If only he had revealed the name of the lady he met at the conference in San Francisco. But he never did. So the police were never able to investigate anything more sinister than a natural death. No one knows who the mysterious woman in San Francisco was. Was she really a powerful witch? It seems no one will ever know. Christopher Case took her identity to the grave. So, unfortunately, Christopher Case's death will remain a paranormal mystery. Well, in our next episode, we're going to introduce you to the very best paranormal stories that the Buckeye State has to offer. That's right, we're doing the top five Ohio paranormal stories. You're going to get ghosts, cryptids, and maybe even a UFO or two. You'll find, while other states and countries have plenty of cases, Ohio more than holds its own in the realm of the supernatural. So join us for a trip to Ohio and its paranormal destinations next time, right here on the Paranormal Factor Podcast. And now it's time for the episode quiz. Yes, indeed, it's quiz time. And here is your question. In what state did the Maelstrom Air Force Base UFO incident occur? Was it A, Maine, B, Montana, C, Missouri, or D, Michigan? Once again, in what state did the Maelstrom Air Force Base UFO incident occur?
Was it in Maine, Montana, Missouri, or Michigan? And the answer is... B. Montana. On March 16, 1967, a very strange incident occurred at Maelstrom Air Force Base, an ICBM missile base located at Great Falls, Montana. It involved UFOs and a nuclear missile incident in which an entire set of nuclear missiles assigned to Echo and Oscar flights were shut down during the encounter. Missile maintenance crews and security teams were camped out at two of the Echo Flight Launch facilities where the missiles are located. Having performed some work during the previous day, they had stayed there overnight. During the early morning hours, more than one report came in from the security patrols and maintenance crews that they had seen UFOs. A UFO was even reported directly above one of the silos. Then suddenly, the launch crew began seeing all ten of their missiles go into a no-go status. That's to say, they became incapable of being launched. And then it happened again at another missile field location. Oscar Flight would also experience a loss of launch status on 10 ICBMs. Witness Robert Salas was a missile launch officer at the time of the incident at Oscar Flight. I received a call from my security guard who was quite frightened as he reported that an unidentifiable flying object was hovering immediately above the front gate. The object was illuminated by a red glow. Many of our missiles became disabled. A similar incident had occurred at another site, while UFOs were observed directly over the launch facilities where the missiles are located. Now, a story involving UFOs allegedly shutting down U.S. nuclear missiles is one that demands to be told in detail. So we'll have a full episode on this stunning encounter later this year, right here on the Paranormal Factor Podcast. Well, that'll do it for this episode. A theme song is Knockers by Cinco, courtesy of Upbeat Music. Hey, before you leave, if you could, please do me just two favors. First of all, if you did enjoy the show, please leave a like on your favorite listening application. And secondly, if you liked what you heard, please spread the word. Love to have some new listeners out there to join you. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Keep your eyes open for the unusual folks, and thanks for stopping by. <laughs>